Hey, Dad. Hey, how are you today? Good. Hey, Great. so I was talking to a girl the other day, and she was just telling me about all of her struggles, and I, I started kind of commenting. I probably shouldn't have given her advice, but as soon as I did, she goes, don't you dare try and give me advice. You don't understand my pain. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's quite a statement. And I started thinking about the idea that we, in our society, in a lot of ways, we've gotten to a point where people say, unless you're the most oppressed, you have no voice. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the more oppressed you are, the more you get to have this voice in what's going on. And, but the, I think it's, it's such a dangerous thing because I, I've seen a lot of times in counseling and in you know, helping people who are going through struggles in ministry, as soon as you start to think I'm all alone and nobody understands my pain, you really are in a dangerous place because any insight people give you, any truth people give you, you can immediately go, oh yeah, but I'm the exception. You oh, don't yeah. understand my pain. Yeah. And I just think the danger of that, so my, the question I wanted to address today is, can, can you have or can you speak to pain you haven't personally experienced? Uh, I would say absolutely, absolutely, for a number of reasons. First of all, let's take that girl for instance. I don't know what her pain was, but let's say it was a rejection by her husband or a divorce or whatever, something like that. You know what? 50 people who go through divorce, every single one of them has individualized pain. None of them went through the exact same experience. Different people involved. Yeah, different reasons for the divorce, different different backgrounds that they had that had them view it in a different way. Because whatever pain we go through, it's all individual. Nobody Mm -hmm. experiences the same thing you do, no matter if it's the exact same story. Um, the the pain that you experienced is all internalized. So if no if nobody can speak into me except somebody who's experienced the exact same thing I have, then nobody can speak into me. And so it's like it's a hopeless situation. And I think the other thing you're pointing out or, or we're going toward there is that look, if uh, if I become greater because I'm greater oppressed, then what am I going to focus on? I'm going to focus on my oppression. Which there's a principle in the world that we tend to go toward that which we focus upon, and that which we focus upon tends to become bigger right. in our viewpoint. Right. You know, let's magnify the Lord with me. We're not making God greater, but by focusing on him, he becomes bigger in our perspective. And so by focusing on our pain, then the pain becomes overwhelmingly huge. It's the only thing we can see. You know, I, I use the example of, of if you focus on your thumb, you can block out something as big as the sun. I can hold it close enough to my eye and focus on it, and I don't even see the sun because all I see is my little thumb. And if if that thumb represents my uh, persecution or my Mm. uh, problems, then that's all I see. I don't see all the huge light and hope and promises beyond that. And so by focusing upon our, how victimized we are, then we remain a victim and it becomes the only thing we can see. And so- Well, and if you're getting affirmed- Saying for well, that because you're so oppressed, you get or, a voice. Yeah. Then you're going to keep going. Oh well, let me tell you about all my other struggles. Right? Yeah, yeah. The more the more your oppression is affirmed and gives you a voice, uh, the more yeah, the more you're going to lean into that, and then you start focusing on it, and then it becomes an identity. Yeah. It makes me think of something Richard Rohr said. He said it. Uh, I've heard him say this in several ways, but it's pretty articulate the way he said it. This way, he said it has been acceptable for some time in America to remain wound identified. That is using one's victimhood as one's identity, one's ticket to sympathy, and one's excuse for not serving. Instead of using the wound to redeem the world, as we see in Jesus and many people who turn their wounds into sacred wounds that liberate both themselves and others. Mm. As which, I mean, it always comes back to how did Jesus respond? And it is fascinating. You see, 
really, in terms of who had it the worst, yeah, you don't get any worse than Jesus. Betrayed, spit on, yeah, uh, rejected, humiliated, yeah, like all and and as Jordan Peterson says. And the worst possible thing is he was perfect. Exactly, yeah. And yet I, this happened to him. So it's I, the worst nightmare for anyone. That's what I was going to say. Somebody out there listening might say, well, that all happened to me. Yeah, but you deserved it, probably. <laughs> it's, right, you may have brought some of it on yourself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, you may have. Even if you didn't Did deserve it. Did you go around it. healing blind people? Have yeah. You gone, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, we always, that old question of why do good things, bad things happen to good people? And far as I can tell, there was only one good person in the world and the worst happened to him. So you're not a good person, you know, and none of us are. Which is maybe the place you've got to start from is recognizing um, we've all got, we've all, well, all have sinned and fallen short short of the glory of God. Can I write that? That's a good quote. It's brilliant, right? I'm so eloquent. (laughs) The Bible, when you start from that place, you recognize, yeah, you've got your unique pain. I've got my unique pain. Some of your unique pain was brought upon you. Some of it you probably didn't deserve. It was just the nature of a fallen world. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff that I, I brought upon myself. And so your pain is your pain, mine. And obviously, yes, there are some things that set you at a disadvantage, but you don't know the disadvantages I was set at. And a, a lot of times I think we just judge it by socioeconomic status or... Um, I don't know. I mean, there, yeah, luck, benefits, whatever, you know. Yeah, and there's uh, so many things that, yeah, I mean, there are some elements of uh, my life is really good because you made it really good, Dad, but your life really was bad, but you didn't let that keep you from making my life good. So if you sit around identifying with that and you could have said, well, nobody understands my pain uh, and we would have picked up on that, but you moved past it and then, well, then it doesn't matter anymore. Well, I guess the crazy part of it too is when you're in the middle of it, sometimes you don't realize it is bad. As a kid growing up, just isn't that what everybody does? You know, uh, that's the way everybody lives. People around you, that's the way you live. So you don't, I don't. Know, and my personality type too. I guess I just don't focus on that. It's just, yeah, it's just the way things are. But you know, the quickest way. I mean, I was thinking about again your friend. The quickest way to isolate yourself and be on a lonely little island that you'll be happy if you're happy feeling bad is to say. <laughs> Well, you can't help me. Nobody can help me. Nobody understands me. Yeah. It, well, of course nobody understands you because you are you and you don't even understand you. You know, the heart's deceitfully wicked above all things. <laughs> I don't sure. even understand me. Why am I hurting this way? Why am I feeling this way? I don't know. Get over it. I, there's a quote by A.B. Simpson that I love. He says, you know, I can focus upon myself until I become morbid. And I realized that. He goes on then to say, but the best way to get out of that situation is to begin to focus on and serve and help others. And um, when we do focus upon ourselves, all those arrows, all those focuses become internal. Oh my goodness, what a, what a hopeless, dark place to be. The greatest way out of that is to begin to focus on others. And you'll find there's around, those around you who are hurting more than you. Right. And, um, and have got pain as well. The challenge with them is if they say, well, you can't say anything to me because... I, you don't understand my pain. Right. That's where you have this, there has to be some element of reciprocity, like until you get out of your own head and go, maybe there is something that somebody has to offer me. Like yeah. assume that, yeah, maybe they haven't gone through the exact same pain, but maybe there are some principles they've learned. Um, that- kind of reminds me of that friend of mine who was with AA and he would tell people, typically when they were first time they'd come to the meeting, he said, get out of here, you aren't ready for this. And I'll go, yeah, I am. No, you're not, you're not desperate enough. And it seems to me, anybody who's saying, well, you can't understand me, they're not desperate enough. They have not really hit bottom. 
Because when they hit bottom, it's like, help me, anybody. Anything you can give me. Just whatever you can do. Give me a drop of water. I'm just desperate, you know. And so that friend of yours isn't desperate enough yet, you know. Um, And yeah, I remember I was counseling with somebody one time and they were praying, you know, they were asking, help me this, help me. I could tell they weren't dead. I said, you know what? Let me just ask you this. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you hit rock bottom as fast as possible so we can get over this and move on up. And because until you hit rock bottom, you're never going to really great. Well, I am bad. No, you're not. You're not bad enough yet because mm-hmm. you're bad enough yet. When the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, you begin to change. Right, and you'll take help from anybody that seems to offer it. Exactly. Even if, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Peter, in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be alert and sober of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Yeah, I think that's Peter's essential slap in the face. Like, get over yourself. You're not the only one in pain. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also interesting because he says he prowls around like a roaring lion. And if you watch, you know, documentaries, who does the lion go after? The the one that's isolated themselves from the herd. Yeah, exactly. And as soon as you get isolated, uh, isolated, you you know, I'm unique. I'm the special one. Well, and some, you know, yes, you're unique. Jesus loves you. He made you special. But you're not that unique, right? Yeah. And as soon as you isolate yourself, you become a target for that roaring lion. And of course, you know, I've heard people say, well, he's a roaring lion. He doesn't actually have any power. But man, it can really mess with you. But I think it's interesting that he says, don't forget you're, you're not alone here. Like you're not the only one that's struggling. You're not the only one. Like the whole, throughout the world, all the believers are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Your yeah. suffering isn't unique, uh, which, is a, which is a, I mean, it's, that's quite a realization because we get in our own heads when you're in pain. Yeah. You become kind of self-absorbed. You, um, kind of, you know, one of the things Sean Acor says in a book called The Happiness Advantage, he says, the number one predictor of like thriving through adversity is social engagement. Like this is just hard science he's done. Well, not social science isn't hard science, but these are studies he's yeah, done. soft science. Yeah, they want to be hard scientists, but they're not. Anyway, uh, and he says, what most of us do, though, is we pull back. Right? Well, I don't have time for people right now. But the number one predictor that you're going to make it through and do well is actually engaging with other people in the midst of your struggles. And he says, but we always we tend to do the opposite. We pull away. Yeah. I'll figure this out on my own. I'll get this sorted out. Nobody understands me anyway. So once I get it sorted out, I'll come back. And it ends up, you end up getting devoured by the lion, really. Yeah. It's that old story we tell people about, hey, man, when you're hurting, that's not the time to withdraw from church. Right. You know, but that's what everybody wants to do because I'm embarrassed. You know, we're going through struggles in my marriage. So I don't want to, I don't want people because I have to be perfect in front of people. And if you're in that kind of a church, there are churches where that is the, the mode of operation. If so, get out of that church. Get into a place where it's more like a hospital for hurting people. Because many churches are like a hospital, no medication, you know, no meds. It's like a, a church without love is like a church without a hospital without medication. Mm-hmm. It may be a great place to go and die but you're not going to get any help there. And uh, so you need to find a church where they're going to accept you where you are, not let you, but not let you stay there. So I've made an observation about that, though. There are certain churches that draw a certain group of people that are all kind of hurting, beat down. Yeah. Um, and and I, what I've seen, a, a, a negative side of it is sometimes we go to churches because we say, well, these people get me. 
and they're not going to push right. me to be more than I can be. Yeah. And which is one of the downsides of, and this is a, is a defense mechanism of saying, well, nobody can understand my pain unless they've personally experienced it. But the other side of it is, oh, these people get me and they're not going to judge me because of my flaws. And so nobody, everybody sits around sitting, wallowing <laughs> yeah. in their uh, less than their potential and nobody pushes anybody because they're like, well, I've, I've been through that too and I get his pain. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. push him past. So there's the downside of that too. Of not, if you're not surrounding yourself by people who are, even if they don't understand your pain, hoping to lift your vision, there's a downside of that because you can get stuck in a, in a place where there's just everybody kind of wallowing in their own issues. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, again, is the, if someone's really been delivered from it, and, and that's where, wow, like, again, this friend I was talking about, the AA friend, you know, who would try to drive people away. The reason he would drive them away is because he knew it's tough to recover and he wanted to make sure they were willing to, Put out the price, yeah, and so if you're in a church where there's, you know, there's people who have, in other words, there's no value in being just wow, what a mess I was. The redemption in our story is what a mess I was, but I'm not what I used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the old uh, what the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what God wants me. But thank God, I'm not what I used to be. You know, and so um, you've you've got to find a place where people are willing to take you to the next level and challenge you a little bit. And, you know, it's the, the old story, dress for success, you know, dress for the job you want. Well, in the same way, find yourself around people that you want to be like. Yeah. Oh, oh, he who walks with the wise grows wise. You become like those you hang around with. Don't be deceived. A bad company corrupts good character. It doesn't just corrupt negative character or neutral character. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, the, the adverse of that or the opposite of that is that good character will develop your character people with good character if you want to be a better parent hang around with people who are good parents yeah that's why i think this privilege thing and i there's an element to it that i understand but it's such a specious argument a, a, an undermining deceptive argument because as soon as you say somebody in privilege can't understand me you're never going to look to them for something that could take you to the place that they've gotten to and you yeah, say, exactly. well, it's, it's, it's all privilege because they learn, you know, the Robert Kiyosaki thing. Well, they learn stuff because of their privilege. Well, maybe that's stuff you could learn too. Yeah. Just because you didn't learn it growing up doesn't mean you can't learn it. And if you're sitting around, well, they don't get me because they're privileged and they grew up with a silver fork. Yeah, you can just stay, so in, your, yeah, stay and, in your mud pile so all you want So in some ways, to. you need to find people that don't understand your pain, right. but encourage you to look past your pain up to what you could be. And you say, well, they didn't even deserve what they got. They just got it because of their upbringing. Yeah, but they're, they're, it's envy in a lot of times. What it is, it's envy. And, and laziness. And your envy gets in the way with the argument of, well, they're privileged, they don't understand my pain. And it's like, that's so deceptive and so undermining yeah. to the people who very, very in some way, it seems like you're affirming someone who's oppressed by saying, you're oppressed, it's so horrible, it's been so horrible. But in some ways, it's so undermining to them because you're, you're, it's what Richard Rohr says, you're, you're letting them become wound identified. And until somebody understands exactly how hard it's been for me, um, then I'm never gonna, you know, then I'm, no one's gonna ever understand me. But instead, it's maybe you need to stop focusing on that and say, this doesn't make me who I am. And you get around people that don't understand your pain, but push you to become what you could be. Yeah. The past is the past. You need to let it go and not let mm, it define you. Good. But if you're going to live in the past, then you're never going to move forward, you know? And so, you know, as I could say the same thing, you know, I mean, I hear all these talking about, oh, you know, those who grew up in poverty and this and that, you know, I grew up as a poor white boy, you know, I, I, I stuck cardboard in my shoes when I would walk through the snow and, <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't think anything of it because I thought everybody did that. I didn't really realize not everybody does that, you know. It was kind of a surprise to me. I just figured that's what you do. And and I could let that identify me. And and But it has nothing, uh, the real irritating thing to me is when they talk about it as though it's skin color. Mm. And no difference. As a, as a white poor boy, black poor boy, I had the same situations. You know, I had friends who were in the same situations, different color skin, didn't pay much attention to that. But the fact is, it didn't have to, we didn't have to stay there because of it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it, we never looked at it as defining us. And I don't think the majority of people do let their skin color define them. I think we've got a vocal group out there that's trying to, they benefit and profit from that if they can get you into a category where you then are dependent upon me right. to help get you out of this. But I don't really want to get you out of this. It's kind of like when we were in Guatemala, somebody's, I said, man, this war has been going on for years. I said, yeah, because it's profitable to everybody. Right. The military is solid in power and the civilian branch of the government can't really do much to uh, negate their power because we need them because we're active war. The guerrillas make a lot of money off it by charging Coca-Cola to come through their territory and by charging us. So the guerrillas don't want the war to end and the military don't want the war to end. And a few of the little peons get shot along the way, you know, the little downer there. But the big guys at the top are making big bucks off it. It's all in this purpose of, yeah. 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 And you you have that with this. You've got these people who make big bucks off fueling racial tension. Yeah. Or socioeconomic tension. Yeah. Yeah. Or or male, female tension, whatever. I, I can make big bucks off of war. Right. Or And or, there's a few little people at the bottom who get killed and get hurt and get dismayed, you know, and get they never reach their potential because but I'm making big bucks off it. So let's just keep this civil war going. Yeah, I and mean, there's there's the people who are are convincing you to their side with these you know, deceptive arguments or partial arguments. There's uh, there's usually an element of truth in them. Like, yeah, man, you did have some you had some bad cards handed to you. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to stay there and but yeah, but then they also, the funny thing is usually the people that are leading you into all of your belief about how bad your situation is, usually have it way better than you. Oh, yeah. But they like capitalize on selling and, you the fact that you've been disadvantaged. And they have it way better than you because of you giving them the power to do that. If you read Saul Alinsky's book on rules for radicals, yeah, yeah, which is kind of the playbook for all this, he says the whole goal is always power. The issue is never the issue. Women's right is not the issue. Uh, transgender is not the issue. Racial equality is not the issue. The issue is get me power. Right. He, he clearly lays it out. And so it, you just use whatever the issue is to accumulate power for you. Which they, that's, I mean, that's where things have devolved to is it's like people believe power is the ultimate. Power is it. Like you get power and you use it. But there's so many more elements to what a human is than just having power. And that's the dangerous thing about it. I mean, And the problem is there's not that much power to go around. So a yeah. few, it concentrates in the hands of a few who... who Maybe in the heart of their hearts, they think they're helping others, yeah. but you know they've been deceived themselves. Which is the beautiful thing about what we believe as Christians is we're not dependent on anything external for the power. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives within us. And yes, we may have been handed some really bad cards. Maybe we've had a lot of pain that, man, yeah. it, it wasn't even anything we deserved. You were just born into this and you didn't, you didn't deserve it. Some of it we deserved. On, you know, throughout life, we make our own choices. Yeah. But the, the bottom line is... I think that's a wonderful thing that we have. A, it says that we have a great high priest who's not unable to uh, sympathize with our weakness. He's been tempted in every way we've been tempted. He suffered. Jesus himself, ha, nobody can beat the pain he went through. Like it's right. the worst. It's yeah. the worst. 
And yet through all of that, he forgave, he walked in forgiveness and, uh, it's yeah, it's an amazing thing. Well, and the other thing is, we it, scripture clearly says we become new creatures. Mm-hmm. Okay, that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it might in the spiritual realm, it does, but it's like sanctification. It's like really becoming like Christ. It's a day by day, day by day thing. But it'll never happen as long as you decide to stay in the prodigal son's pig pen. It's time to get up, come back to the Father, go back to where you belong, and become that new creature. And when you begin to walk that way, liberty becomes yours. And one of the best ways to do that is, is get around people who aren't identifying with exactly. their pain. Yeah. This podcast was produced by Alex Burleson, alexburleson.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more from Joel, you can visit joelmalm.com. Or if you want more from Rick, you can visit rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you downloaded this podcast. Thanks again for listening. 